0: Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Amen. Amen. So, we are in a teaching series called Life Verse and what we uh, started doing a couple of weeks ago was two weeks ago I took a verse that has made a major impact upon my life and then Charlotte did last week and if you didn't hear that yet, I'm going to tell you this, you need to hear that and uh, you can see it on our church Facebook, uh, Facebook page, you can see it on our church website. Uh, you can see it on YouTube if you search Genesis Church, or you could get a CD uh, at the front desk as you leave today. So Charlotte took her life verse, and uh, I guess because I, I've lived a little longer, I get several life verses. So that's where I'm planning to go today. Let me preface it by just saying this. When I had, when I had been with Sue and her church in Southampton, England over the weekend, on uh, I decided since like, they had graciously paid my ticket to go there. So I'm here, and I thought instead of kind of rushing immediately back and just being there the weekend, I was going to take a couple of days and I I wanted to drive and see my brother that I haven't seen for a couple of years. Uh, But on my way to see my brother was the hometown that I grew up in. And so I stayed there. Those of you on social media saw some of my pictures there, I know. But um, I went down there just to be there for like 24 hours, just to walk through the streets of the city, I saw the house where I grew up. I saw the schools that I went to. I saw the park I played in as a kid. I saw the first church I went to um, when I was a child to their children's program. I, I went to the church that Jill and I were married in. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff that I enjoyed. It was, it, was, uh, it was really good stuff. But when I arrived there, the city's called Exeter. And when I arrived in Exeter on Monday, it was about lunchtime. So I got a room in a small hotel Near to the part of the city I needed to be in. So I went there, parked the car, and then I walked just about half a mile, if that. And there was the church that I had come to know the Lord in and was part of. Now, they're not in the same building, they're just about a quarter of a mile away from where our building was in my day. But the, new, the church they've been in now for a number of years was there, and they've got a, I know they've got a cafe that opens all day, like a coffee shop. So I decided I'd go there to the coffee shop and get some lunch. I don't know anybody there nowadays. I left there a long, long time ago. And while I was sitting there, something came to my mind. It was Monday, May the 13th. Now, I know May the 13th is the day that I gave my life to Christ. It was in 1962. May the 13th. So that was Monday. And then when I sat down in the coffee shop, I took out my phone like you always do. And I noticed on my phone, when I took my phone out of my pocket, it was 110. And I couldn't believe the significance of that because actually it was at 110 on May the 13th, 1962, that I gave my life to Christ right? That exact time, and I'm in the church that I was part of, not the building, but the church family I was part of when that happened. Isn't that amazing? Some people have said to me, how do you know the exact time? So I've got to explain. We were on a youth retreat. And I told my pastor, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, I wanted to give my life to Christ, and he chatted with me, and then he guided me in prayer, and I prayed, and as I said, amen, it's like this. On the youth retreat, lunch was 1 o'clock. So as soon as I opened my eyes, I looked up to see the clock because I hoped I hadn't missed lunch. So I know. I got saved at one ten on May the 13th, 1962. How about that? A lot has changed in the city. One of the things that's not there is... a a Bible bookshop that I used to go in from time to time as a teenager. I like to read books about people who were doing things for God. I love to read that kind of thing. I walked in there one day and I saw a poster, not a big one, just with a Bible verse on it. I'd never seen that verse before, but that verse really grabbed me. And that's the verse I wanna talk about this morning because from that time, which was my early teens, It actually made an impact on my life, and it channeled how I lived my life. And the verse is this. It's in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24. Now, this was the way I saw it, okay? It was in King James English. The real Bible. With a black cover and gold KJV on the spine. You know what I mean? Not your iPhone app Bible. This is a real Bible. In English, you couldn't understand. (laughs) There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. And I saw that verse, and it hit me. It tied in with some of the people that I'd been reading about. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. Now, you can read that in a far more modern translation, um, but that's how it impacted me. In simple English, it says this, there are people who give, and they've still got plenty. And there are people who don't give, and they've got nothing. And what that did for me when I was young, it started me to focus on this, that I want to live a generous life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, don't just close up on me because living a generous life is not about money necessarily. Because sometimes the easiest thing to do is give money. Hello? Sometimes it is. It's the easiest thing. It's easy. Yep, here we go. I'm done. Boom. And I want to talk about living a, a, a generous life. So the, the, the starting point is this. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. We'll look at the next verse in a more modern translation. Verse 25 says this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. A year and a half or so ago, we, we went through a whole series focused on a, a book by Rick Warren called What on Earth Am I Here For? And some of you will remember, if you open that book, the very first statement of that book is this, it's not about you. It's not about you. I mean, you, you and I, we're special to God. We are unique. We are God's creation. We live with a divine purpose, but it's still not all about us. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So let's talk about, let's look at what the Bible says about living a generous life. Generous living. Living with a vision for something and for people who are bigger than ourselves. And so the first thing I want to talk to you about is this. I want to talk about generous loving. Being generous in our care, our compassion, our love for other people. Many years ago, I wrote a a book. I didn't write a book. I am writing a book. Many years ago, I read a book called Givers, Takers, and Other Kinds of Lovers. It's a book about marriage or relationships. Givers, takers, and other kinds of lovers. And the truth is, that in this world, there are a lot of people that are givers, But there are a lot of people, and you know them and I do, who basically are takers. And as people who trust God, know God, we need to be like He is. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, it says this about Jesus. Having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The life of Christ, was typified by the fact he loved people that he came in contact with and that he interacted with. And not just that he loved them, but notice that phrase he says, he loved them to the end. And we know what that means by the end. Luke chapter 22 and verse 19. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, having the last supper with his disciples, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said to them, gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. This do in remembrance of me. What was the end? The end was my body's broken for you. Having loved his own, he loved them to death. To his death. To his death on the cross. And those of us who are followers of Jesus, we should have signs of the nature and the character of Jesus. Now, the chances are, none of us will have to die for someone else. But you know what? A lot of us might need to pick our game up a bit when it comes to living for other people. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 says this. It says, love is not self-seeking. Love is the language of heaven. Love is the nature of God. Love should be the thing that characterizes everybody who belongs to Christ. And the Bible says really clear here, it says love is not self-seeking. Love always looks out for the other person, always cares for the other person. Generous people are people who care about others, even when they might be in the midst of tough stuff themselves. Now, I watched Charlotte teaching last Sunday morning here, and, and I'm guessing many of you, most of you were probably here. Uh, I, watched, I watched that, and as I watched it, I thought, I better pick my game up here. Now, you know, I, I watched it, and some of you would have heard her share some of the things she's been through in life that you'd never heard before and never knew before. Now, when she was going through that stuff... She did not withdraw from church life or from her role here. In fact, nobody knew. Why did nobody know? i tell you why. Because family life isn't all about us all of the time. So, so, you know, sometimes you've got no idea. and It's not because anybody's trying to be secretive. You, you might have no idea how, what, what any of us is going through at this stage. You know why? You know why? Because Sunday's not about us. Sunday's about all of us. Sunday's not about me. Sunday's about you. And even when we're hurting, even when we're in pain, you you know, one of the ways in which we can find fresh hope and one of the ways in which we can find ease for our own pains is when we start looking beyond ourselves and start sowing into the lives of other people and caring for them and loving them and listening to them and being there for them. 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse 11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. Now, there's a whole lot that goes on here in a Sunday morning, really, isn't there? If you look at the whole experience, there's a whole lot that goes on here on a Sunday. And it's far more. I, I, know, I know, I don't think we have them now. We used to have some people who used to say, I I'm, I'm don't really like the style of the music, I come in for the message. And they'd show up for the preaching and leave straight away afterwards. And it's like, well, that's a pity because you missed a huge chunk of it. But it's not all about the worship and the preaching either here Sunday morning. It's about what was happening around this place before service even started. Right? Like, The interaction of people with people, the fellowship around the tables, the sharing together, talking together, the teasing each other, kidding each other. You know what that's a sign of? It's a sign of family. I get the roughest time here on a Sunday morning. (laughs) You wouldn't believe the abuse I get here on a Sunday morning. And I give it. But because cause that's how family is, isn't it? They tease each other, and actually, it's kind of the way you show your love. Almost like you know, if I ignored you, it means it means I, you know you didn't really matter. But it's it's a way you show your love, and, and, and the whole experience is so important. So, with that in mind, let me tell you this: the Sunday that you decide, I'll stay home and I'm going to watch it on Facebook. The Sunday that you do that, you know what, you're making the choice for you, but what you're actually also saying is, I'm not going to be there today for everybody else. Do you get what I'm trying to say there? Because it's not, what happens here isn't all about listening to a sermon. What happens here is a whole big picture, and part of that is this, the hug you give to somebody else might be the first hug they've had in days, and they just needed somebody to say, hey, I'm glad to see you, Amen. right? Right? I, I don't want to oversimplify. I don't want to suggest, but, but really, really, ju- just the ear you give to somebody else, or the fact you say to someone, I'm so glad to see you. I really missed you. Those things. And if you say, oh, you know what? I think I'll stay home today. I've had a busy weekend. I'll watch it on the, you know. I was going to say, watch it on the TV. You can do that now, right? With the, whatever they call them, TV, smart TVs, right? So you can actually have it. So you can sit and watch it on the TV. I say, yeah, it's okay, I'm going to stay at home. But what you're saying then is, I'm going to stay home and see if I can get what I need for me, but I'm not going to be there to give anything to anybody else, right? By the way, you know, we we love the fact that so many people do watch, whether it's on our our church website or whether it's on, on Facebook Live. But let me tell you this: a lot of the weddings I've done in recent years, more and more, I'll meet couples and I'll say to them, so how do you get to know each other? They'll say, Well, we met online. And that used to be a rarity, and people would say it kind of under their breath. But it's become, you know, it's where a lot of people hang out and they, they they'll meet people online. But in order for a relationship to really develop, you can't stay online forever. You're not gonna marry a guy online you got to meet him one day cuz some people look really good on their profiles but actually it was it's their nephew's picture right So, so, you, so you can't do that. There comes a point where you've got to meet. And here's my invitation to those of you that are watching us online right now. My invitation is, is if, you are, if you are within a 30-minute drive of Genesis Church, how about next Sunday for the first time we actually meet in person and see if we hit it off? How about that? How about taking our relationship to the next level? And how about all of you that are here today just remembering this fact? It's not about you. And you're not just here for you. You're here for everybody else around you. And the people you just greet and the caring word makes a whole lot of difference. We need to be generous in our loving. Proverbs 12, 25 says this. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. How about that? Can I, just, can I just remind you, sometimes, you know, we get, it's great, we've come to know people here, so many of us, but there are people here still who probably don't know anybody. And uh, I want to encourage you, take the brave step of saying hello to somebody who is sitting by themselves. Get out of your comfort zone and get acquainted with somebody who might look like they're alone says this in Proverbs 16 verse 24, it says, gracious speech is like clover honey, good taste to the soul, quick energy to the body, generous in loving. Now, when I got back into uh, JFK on Thursday evening, uh, I landed, I got my luggage, Charlotte had come in to, to meet me, and I said, just watch my case for a moment because I need to go somewhere. Now, I could write a book about airport restrooms. (laughs) Most of it would not be good. I walked into the restroom on Terminal 3 that evening. It was gleaming. The floor had just been mopped. It was fresh. All the the sinks there were sparkling, and everything else was in a good state too. And there was a guy there with with a mop who'd obviously just finished and as I came out, was leaving the restroom, I stopped, and I said to him, I just want to thank you for doing your job so thoroughly and having this place absolutely gleaming. I really appreciate what you're doing. I mean, who talks to the guy who's cleaning the toilet? I talk to the guy, because you know why? Because he's a person, and he's doing an honest job, and he matters to God. Be generous in your caring for people. I mean, in life as a whole, in in life in general. Let folks know that they're appreciated, that they're valued. You know, Jesus loved people to the nth degree, to the ultimate degree. And I want to encourage you to continue to be people who are that way. You know why? Because there is that scattereth And yet increaseth. It's good for you. It's good for your soul. There is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. If you're a giver who cares about other people, you're always going to be blessed yourself. If you're all wrapped up within your own world, then the truth is you're going to have nothing. Right? You could have millions in the bank, don't get me wrong, but you're going to have nothing. You're going to have nothing. Because there's one thing that so many of us have come to value and appreciate, and that is it is way more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? <laughs> generous loving. So, all right, let's just bite the bullet and go to, because this is part of the topic, let's talk about generous giving. Generous giving. I, I usually put my wallet somewhere safe on a Sunday because I don't want it to make me look fat. I'm sure it's the wallet that does that. I've got my wallet here with me today. I've got a lot of things here. I've got my driver's license. I've got PBA cards for Suffolk, Nassau, and the city. <laughs> Always pays, you know, pays, you never know. Gotta stay well connected. I've got a picture of my grandson at his high school graduation last year. And then I've got two things that I've carried in my wallet for years. And some of you heard me talk about these before. I've got a $5 bill. I carry this $5 bill. I've carried it for years. There's a history. There's a story behind it. And I always want to remember the people that are part of that story. When we started doing our Saturday afternoon outreach to the homeless, one of the people who became a part of that team and was very much a part of that team for a number of years was a guy by the name of Al Sapiniri. Al's family, Al's son, Al Jr. is part of our church still. Al Sr. is with Jesus now. He loved people, loved people, wanted to see people come to know Jesus. At our outreach, he'd always be asking guys, do you need a ride to church tomorrow? Do you need a ride to church? And he'd go in his van, and he'd pick the guys up, bring them to church. And often after church, he'd take them out and get them pizza or something after church. He lived a generous life because you know what? He didn't have to, need to get up that much earlier, go around. Some weeks, guys say, oh, well, I'm not coming after all, or just not show up, or whatever. He didn't need to do that, but he did. When I was really sick and was in Sloan Kettering, on the outreach one Saturday, a guy was asking me how he was, and I said, uh, I told him, I said, I saw him a few days ago, and he said to me, he said, "Uh, here's five dollars. Okay, so this is from a homeless guy, right, who hasn't got a lot. He said, here's $5, will you buy Al a cup of coffee? I didn't get the chance to buy Al that cup of coffee. But this $5 bill reminds me of two incredibly generous people. The man who won the hearts of the people he served and the homeless guy who was willing to give what little he had to bless somebody else. generous giving. And then, I've seen this before as well. Before we moved in this building, we were functioning in two campuses in Ronkonkoma and Mastic. And one Sunday, I was speaking on, I I, I was speaking on the topper. I touched on the topic of giving. I talked about the Bible uh, gives us a guideline for giving and says, you know what, to make sure we're basically committed to our giving to God. It guides us that 10% is a good amount to give to God. And I must have mentioned that this Sunday. And then during the week, a letter came in the mail to us. It's a postal money order. The lady's name's there. The address is there. She lived in Mastic, but we didn't recognize the name, wasn't sure who she was. Maybe she only came in that Sunday. And she sent this money order to the church. It's for one dollar. And in the memo line it says this fifty cents tithe, fifty cents offering. That suggests to me that this lady got five dollars, right? Because fifty cents, if fifty cents a tithe of something, a tenth of something is of five dollars. That she got five dollars. She wanted to send fifty cents to the church. And then out of that $5, she took another 50 cents and said, this is my offering on top of the tithe. And then she bought a stamp. And I got this because to my mind, this was worth way more than a dollar. It shows an unbelievable commitment just to want to show her love for God and express her love for God in what she got. When I got this, I said... uh, I said, I want to keep that. Now, I didn't keep the dollar. I actually put $100 for this into the church so that it multiplied what she'd given. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to have this, and I carry this as a memory of a lady I don't even know who was willing to be generous in her giving. And those, stay with me. When I'm traveling, I thin out my wallet because, you know, there are things I don't need if I'm overseas, but those go with me anywhere I go and everywhere I go. And they remind me because I need reminding too that there is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meet, but it tends to poverty. You know, most of us live in a mythical world where in a safe place in my house, I've got the deed to my house, right? And then I've got the title to our cars. And a lot of us are like that, right? You've got the deed to your house, you've got the title to your cars. They show you own them, but you don't. You don't. The bank owns them, or a fair chunk of them. Or the finance company actually owns a fair chunk of your car. They're not really yours, but we look on them as if they're ours. And you know we 've got to be careful in life in general. Here's what it says in Psalm 24 and verse one. It says, "The Earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it." So all of us and everything there is, the Bible says it's whose? You're good. You want ice cream it's the lord's. <laughs> The world and everything in it is the Lord's. In fact, God says this in the book of Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. God says, you know, everything there is, it's actually mine. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 says this. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That's important to remember. Everything I've got is God's, belongs to God. And you may say, well, you know, I've done pretty good for myself, actually. Well, you know something? Who gave you the ability to do pretty good for yourself? Right? Right? who gave you the openings, who gave you the opportunities, who gave you the training, who gave you the teaching. You know, and the fact is there is that God is over all, and God is the one who is guiding, but everything there is belongs to Him. So the fact is, now I'm not, you know, you're not going to suggest I go crazy about this, right, or tell others I was going crazy, but everything I've got really belongs to God. Because if the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it belongs to the Lord, everything I've got belongs to God, right? So the fact is, I am someone who is a trustee or an agent or at times a distributor of what God has entrusted to me. And God gives us stuff for two reasons. One one reason God gives us things is because God loves us and He wants us to enjoy things. Are you good there? Alright, I'm not one of those people who believe in, you know, you have to live very, very austerely uh, if you're a child of God. Um, I, don't, I don't believe you have. I, I believe God wants to see us happy. I really do. I really do. And I think God wants to bless us. So, God gives us opportunities sometimes to do some things. And we say, wow, that was really good. The other reason God gives us stuff is God gives us stuff so that we can give Generously. We are fundamentally people who are blessed by God, and God blesses us for our good and for the benefit of those that we can be a blessing to. Yeah? That's what the Bible talks about, you know, sorry, let me backtrack. Let me just tell you this. I, I got a short video clip this week of working in Dominican Republic where... Those of you who are part of us, remember that one of the projects we've enabled that's going ahead right now is there was a guy down there who was living in a shack, and actually we were able to put together the resources here uh, to send them the money to actually rebuild his simple home for him. And the walls are all up, and this week they were pouring the concrete roof. Isn't that great? Now, you enable us to do that. You made that happen. You know why you made that happen? Because you had some money in your pocket, or you had some money in the bank, and you decided, you know what? I'm not going to take this from me. I want to give it to help Frank, because I want this guy I've never met and probably never will meet, but I've heard the story, and I want this guy to live in a decent house. Right? (laughs) Generous giving. Giving. How did that happen? It happened because you were generous in your giving into the church life. Why are we able to do all that we can do? Because of the facts that folks make it happen, enable it to happen from a financial perspective. I mean, who paid for all the bagels and donuts this morning? And I use the word all. Yeah, there's a lot. Who pays for that? That comes out of what comes in, right? And the fact is, we are recipients of all we've got. And God blesses those who give generously. And so many of you are in that category. And you know what? On one level, I'm going to thank you for it. On another level, I'm going to say, God's already thanking you for it. Because there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And you know what? God's going to bless you as you give. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says this, remember whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Then look at verse 10 and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now look at this next bit. This is God's promise to those who are generous givers. You will be enriched in every way. How many ways? Every way. Still with me. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on how many occasions? Every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Here's what God says. God supplies seed to people that are sowers. And God says, if you are a person who is a sower, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. I want to encourage you to be generous in your giving. And you know why that is? That is not that you need to be generous in your giving because the church needs your money. I'm going to say this, and some of you will totally misunderstand it. God supplies what's needed for His work. All right? God supplies what's needed for His work. It's all good. It's all good. There's no need to work a crowd or milk people. God supplies what's needed. But I'll also say this. Those of you that are givers, you know the truth that God always makes sure you've got something to give there is that scattereth and yet increaseth. Be generous in your loving. Be generous in your giving. And then finally, and, and this is going to be a little brief, be generous in your forgiving. Living a generous life means I don't need baggage, because if I'm carrying baggage, I'm crippled. But if I want to be a blessing to others, I've got to live free myself. And you know how you live free yourself? You forgive people. There's a story I read a while back. It was just after the Civil War. Robert E. Lee was visiting a lady in Kentucky. And uh, he was talking to her at her home, and she took him out and showed him the remains of a huge old tree that stood in front of her house. And she told Lee how how you know she had seen the tree destroyed bit by bit, its limbs and its trunk by 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 federal artillery fire. And she talked about what they had done to her tree. And, and General, she looked at General Lee and, and waiting for him to say something bad about the north and, and what, they, you know, what, what they had done to her tree. And after a brief silence, Lee said this. He said, cut it down, madam, and forget about it. Let it go. Let it go. The tree's ruined. Don't stand looking at it for the rest of your life. Cut it down and move on. And some of you today need to cut it down and move on you keep looking at the tree. You keep looking at the times in your life where others have done really bad things to you or to those around you. And the fact is, as long as you stand looking at that tree, that's going to be your focus, and that's all you're going to see looking out your window. But God wants you to get beyond that tree. I heard this statement a while ago. It said, Unforgiveness is the ultimate form of self-abuse. Didn't hurt her, didn't hurt him, it's hurting you, it's killing you, it's turning you inwards so you can't look out and be a blessing to others. How do you live a blessed life? How do you live a fulfilled life? You live a life that's generous and forgiving. You don't let people go because it was okay, it's not okay. You don't let people go because it didn't matter. It did matter. You don't let people go because they're going to be your buddies now. You don't want them to be your buddies. But you let people go because God's got bigger things for you in life. And you don't want to be all messed up inside. You want to be a person who can generously sow into the lives of other people. God talked to me when I was probably no more than 13 or 14 years old about living a generous life. I've sought to be a blessing to other people. I've sought to be an encourager of other people. And I'll tell you this too. Jill and I, Jill, my wife over here, Jill and I have, you know, they've been through time, there have been periods in our life when we've absolutely scraped financially and wondered where on earth, and a lot of you have been there too, where on earth gonna, the next thing's going to come from. But I'm going to tell you this. Ever since we've been married, we've made a priority that we give to God. And I'm standing here today, all these years later, and I'm telling you this, I'm not just preaching a theory today. I read this in this book, but I didn't just read it in the book. I've seen it happening, and it works. Live a generous life. Let's pray.